0: Atmospheric shields will only hold for so long. Get to the rep 12 before this whole place goes. I understand you.
1: And I understand
0: you. How? It's a shortwave translator. Now, if
1: you would kindly make your way to the- My name is Slot!
0: I'm Trodo. After so many years, it's nice to finally talk. I've been holding in these thoughts and feelings for so long, Giorgio.
1: Sorry to interrupt this beautiful moment, but you have to go! Now! Go! Get to the ship!
0: Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, garnick and being driven crazy by seeing my true form is...
1: Adam Bowen. Ugh. Welcome to Strange New <laughs> Takes, everybody. Today we're covering the 10th episode of the first season of Star Trek Prodigy, A Moral Star Part 2.
0: And before we jump into the recap of that episode, we want to ask you to follow us on social media, at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Tell your friends about our podcast, it's the simplest way to share a great podcast with other people, saying, I love love this thing, you should listen to it too. And of course, when you have a chance, uh, do us a favor by putting a uh, a rating into your favorite podcast app for our podcast. Apple Podcasts is a place to do it. There are other podcast apps that usually have a place to rate the podcast. That helps us appear a little bit higher on search lists when someone types in something like, say, Star Trek Prodigy into a search. So do us a solid and do that. And just finally, uh, before you jump into this episode, make sure you watched it because we will spoil it and many other things in Star Trek as well. Um, we're we're kind of a spoiler zone here, so uh, be careful uh, listening in. All right, with that, as Adam mentioned earlier, we're talking today about *A Moral Star*, Part Two. It's the tenth episode of the first season of *Star Trek: Prodigy*. First aired on third February twenty twenty two. It was written by a lot of people. Uh, As This is the same as the last one, Kevin and Dan Hageman, Julie Benson, Shauna Benson, Lisa Schultz-Boyd, Nikhil S. Jairam, Diandra Pendleton-Thompson, Chad Quant, and Aaron J. Waltke. This is the entire writer's room for Prodigy, I believe. And it is directed by lonely old Ben Hibben. The in-universe date is 2384. So, all right. We always start with our strange new takes. Adam, do you have a strange new take for me?
1: Yeah, uh, so we got ourselves all prepared for uh, Snowmageddon 2022 here in St. Louis, and I think it started out saying like, oh, it's definitely going to be like 8 to 16 inches, and then it turned out to 8 and 11, and then it was like, oh, maybe 3 to 5, and I think <laughs> it was maybe more in that 3 to 5 range. <laughs> so it's, it's just a uh, nice to have a reminder of like the uh, – how how – Scared we get ourselves about like how how things are going to be, and then it just turns out of nothing. It's a little bit a little bit sad, but uh, since I work remote, it doesn't matter if I have a snow day or not. So there's that. Um, for the episode itself, uh, I I was really satisfied with the turnaround here. I, I I I think all of us were a little bit kind of on the fence about the previous episode, and uh, I just. Uh, i mean star trek has many examples of uh very lopsided quality in terms of like the first part and the second part of an episode but i think this one uh was a good re- uh a good wrap up and response to the previous episode
0: yeah um that's well put adam i i, I found myself agreeing with what you just said which now is problematic because i don't have anything to say in my strange <laughs> new
1: take so <laughs> strange um... new take
0: is i agree <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Uh so okay, here's my strange you take. One of the annoying things about living in a snowy place isn't actually the snow in my opinion, but it's that when you're traveling, you have to account for the fact that there's going to be snow on the ground sometimes. So you got to like move your car so it doesn't get towed because you know, you don't want to like we have in snowy so places again, we have like park on the opposite side of the street or snow mm-hmm. emergencies. <laughs> And then you have to, like, find somebody to, like, shovel your sidewalk. It is a giant pain. And I have actually been dealing with that. So, it is it is annoying. But, that being beyond the point, I think this episode felt like a few different episodes put into one. Like, watching it, it just was so frenetic and the pace was so fast that it really felt like there were, like, several different, almost distinct pieces being put together. It's pretty interesting in that way for me. So yeah,
1: it, nine times the writers, so nine times the content.
0: There you go. Exactly. That's that's the reason it happened. Well, let's let's take it from the top. Um, we start where we ended last week, which is uh, the kiddos find introduce the miners to the uh, universal translator and get started fixing the engine on the on the Rev Twelve.
1: Which I I at least. Uh I'm sad that Rudy isn't here, but he he finally got his uh I I, th- I think his part of the montage that he was imagining what well, like was part of the plan. The idea of like having the miners uh sort of rise up in rebellion. We we got a bit of that <laughs> this time. So I I thought it was um it was a good use of uh, sort of the the other tools that they have in there uh, sort of available to them with the universal translators. And then uh, we got to do a little bit of uh, uh, techno babble and uh, Star Trek science stuff, which uh, I think it, it at least uh, used the uh, the fact that there's a whole bunch of random minor prisoners at minor minors.
0: my joke was gonna be that this workers collective is led by chairman meow so
1: um,
0: (laughs) you know i'm not much better at it okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's um i i found the repair engine thing the most compelling part of this episode i mean there's some little comedy with those two guys be like i understand you and i understand you and then they like <laughs> become best friends it's great uh but but i enjoyed the whole rock doc versus jenkem bog thing where jenkem's like you watched the door and then he gets like uh i don't know what to do here And rock Doc's like get out of the way old man let me fix this problem boomers these days
1: yeah i i, I like that because i i feel like almost any other star trek would be like oh, you just told me a whole bunch of, like, really complex things. Well, but have you considered... And then they would say, like, a, another a three sentences or whatever. But I, I, I love that he was just like, uh, how about I watch the story and <laughs> you go do that?
0: Which, by the way, Jankum is freaking vicious on those, like, keeper droids or whatever they're called. Where oh, he, yeah. like, tear, rips them apart.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it's a... Uh, since it's a kids show it's a, that like that's good that we had robots as the enemies yeah. <laughs> just to see him brutally murdering a bunch it, of people it,
0: is this like mortal Kombat where the nintendo version <laughs> doesn't have any gore and then if you watch prodigy on like uh you know the late night channels it's actually like physical beings being ripped apart limb from limb by i mean yeah, he's, Bog- he's got the
1: uh what was his name scorpion the guy that does like the get over here and then yeah, uh, yeah I, it's it's almost the same motion that uh, Jenkum could do and then like rip out your heart or something disgusting yeah he uses that that uh, the, the
0: cord on his hand to like garrote enemies like that oh <laughs> that's that's the jenkem pog movie that's going to come out 15 years from now it's like the reboot the, the jenkem yeah, pog reboot,
1: reboot. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Emily's gonna listen to this and be like, "These fucking idiots." <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, we um, uh, I so yeah, I think we both enjoyed that scene uh, for similar reasons, and I do like that they were able to fix it right after all. I feel like this show takes things that in like Discovery or other Star Trek shows would be like long beats, and it's just like, and then they fixed it, and it's over. You know, where yeah, thi- yeah, you know,
1: it's not it like it doesn't three need to be a, a seven seven episode arc or whatever. Or like yeah, it's. Um, I, 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 which I, I guess, since you talked about the kind of frenetic pace of this episode, which is does seem a little bit off from how Prodigy usually is, because it seems like there's usually like a, a an a plot, and then they sort of insert a bit of things that like connective tissue to previous and next episodes, and then maybe there's sort of a beef plot in there. But I felt like since the writers are often so efficient in this show. Where we we don't like belabor things too much. That I I, I think I was okay with it. I, I don't know that I would want every single episode to have this kind of pace to it, but it it felt appropriate as sort of a, a wrapping up a whole uh, half season of arcs together, uh, sort of structurally. Um, and and I guess uh, while we're on this scene, uh, I I I liked that it was sort of a that uh, the gist of what we were trying to do was just plug. Murph into the center of the drive, and that would somehow make it
0: work. <laughs> right. That was um, I, for a second. I was like, "Is Murph gonna be the answer to all of life's problems?" You just like you put like you know how the uh, Voyager had those uh, what is it called bio packs? Is that, is that yeah like, yeah. So as Murph, Murph just like interfaces with the computer and becomes like the the goo that like connects the entire <laughs> engine. <laughs> so. I mean, we know Murph's species are like we established last week they're the more dangerous uh, yes. species on the in the universe. <laughs> so now we just know one more reason why she's can become computers um, <laughs> and engines. Well, I I mean I think so. I, I you know your point about prodigy's earlier pace is a really good one i think because i really did feel early in the speedy series especially that like nothing was happening sometimes and i didn't Mm -hmm. i wasn't upset with it i gave all those episodes like nine or ten but like they moved the plot along so slowly and now 10 episodes in the diviner is defeated like
1: oh yeah. yeah it's uh they they went a lot farther than i was even thinking they would go um Uh, In this episode, because I I was sort of envisioning like, okay, well, we have to change the balance somehow. So Mm -hmm. it's not just constant like and and then he gets away and then they get away and then some other thing happens. Like it's uh, so I was expecting him to maybe become like imprisoned or something like that. But he's just seemed like maybe he's just kind of erased and gone. And that's it. That's like this is all we'll see of the diviner, except maybe we get to meet him in the future. I don't know. Let's
0: let's keep keep that thought when we talk about the weapon that's stashed away on on the protostar because i think that that might Mm -hmm. be irrelevant yeah yeah fair the the piece that i think does we we should talk about those dreadnought who again is just like he's there one minute and next second his head is like falling off and like (laughs) chairman meow has like had a cultural revolution on him you know it's it's um
1: (laughs) he's finished and that i mean speaking of the brutal scene with uh with jenkem and the robots like uh german meow there is is also pretty vicious capable of just uh slicing that that robot in two and then uh yeah just seeing his his head his head without a body just kind of the lights go out
0: aren't you happy that like our cats at home Now that we the two of us together have cats we do not i'm just saying my cats (laughs) and cats in general humans is cats you know although adam do you want to have cats together i wouldn't mind you'd have to live with me but it'd be really special I the
1: the travel arrangements would would be a little bit difficult i I don't know if i can fit like a flying to minneapolis every single weekend to like sort Uh, of trade cats you know also 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 our cats
0: would kill your chickens and then that would be bad
1: yeah I, i i've i've heard that that chickens and cats can get along often what ends up happening is a the the chicken uh, hates the cat and uh, chases the cat away. So it th- sounds about right. It doesn't sound like it'll be a happy family kind of situation there.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, we'll just we'll just hold on to that and the, the pleasant memory of what could have been, shall we? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah.
1: But is, isn't it good that our
0: cats aren't like, they can't like decapitate robots? Like I have enough trouble with my cats and like what damage <laughs> they do with their nails the way they are. I wouldn't want them to be able to be like, I don't like this
1: light. Swing. And the thing is like just falling over now. Like, yeah. Our, uh, cats through. do not have like adamantium skeletons or anything like that. So
0: yeah, Chairman meow kind of was like a, a wolverine type thing. It's like one second there's no claws, and next second like I can like cut through anything.
1: I mean, which which makes that scene in uh, lower decks with uh, uh, chasing around Doctor To 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 get her uh, like take her to the vet. It was much more dangerous than we thought because uh, or Dr. when T'ana she's could like attached just... to Shax's
0: with her claws in yeah, the naked that... time.
1: <laughs> that that was much more dangerous too even, <laughs> even than we thought Naked Time was
0: or it says something about how strong Shaxx is and like what his body is really made out of so... I mean when
1: you've when you've been through the Black Mountain uh, you can take a lot
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay alright we're talking about a kid show
1: <laughs> well, and, and this is also like that's an example of how we're going to spoil like <laughs> seven different random things there you go
0: <laughs> this is why we have other people on the podcast normally to prevent this sort of thing from happening um, well well okay 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 so dreadnought though dispatched in a moment and the light turns off and that's it dude is gone
1: yeah i mean uh i mean ho- hopefully he wasn't secretly chakotay because we just killed chakotay uh in that case so uh, there's, there's maybe, maybe that theory is gone, but I, I, I don't know. But yeah, it, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, I guess refreshing that that the show feels confident that they can have like these sort of powerful villains that they go through, and we can just we can just get rid of them. And uh, that the second half of the season is presumably going to have something else really interesting to go through, which we can talk about in a bit.
0: Um, do you do you want to? So to your point just now about villains, there's a there's a quote from. Um... There's actually a quote from I had it pulled up. And did I just close the window like a klutz? know. Um, oh, I think I did. That's uh that's that's unfortunate. Let me try to open it again. I think it was right, it was by Dan Hageman, the 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 specific quote that mm. I'm talking about. And would you like but it is a little bit of a spoiler for season, for the second half of the season. Not a huge one, but it just kind of tells you who the villain's gonna be. Do you want to hear it? Let's let's go for it. Let's go for it. All right, let's go for it. All right, so. What he says is when we were creating the 20 episode arc of season one, we knew the diviner was going to take a step out and there needed to be a new sort of antagonist. And Dan and I were both like, oh no, this is Kevin Hagman." Sorry, not Dan Hakeman. And he's talking, and he says, and Dan and I were like, quote, we have Hologram Janeway. We're in the same space as the real Janeway. So, end quote. And so we were suddenly talking about how she could become the sort of antagonist for the back 10 episodes, sort of like Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive, right? When you, when you love Harrison Ford, but you also love Tommy Lee Jones hunting him down and doing his job. Uh, not the fugitive, not the first thing that pops into my head with Star Trek Prodigy, but this dude is writing good Star Trek, so I'll give it to him. Um, so yeah, so Kevin Higman basically says real Janeway, who we will, I have to talk about in a second, is going to be the antagonist
1: for the second half of the season. That's really interesting. I, I mean, we we do have this. Uh, uh, I suppose that we we have some level of uh we, we've we have a big setup for there being like a sort of a critical misunderstanding. So I I think I can understand, uh, Janeway becoming an antagonist that way because we at at the, it, it's it's interesting how it's going to unfold though because we we've set up so many different complications in this plot in like the last like five or ten minutes of the episode. Where mm-hmm. uh, they're potentially going to destroy the Federation if uh, full contact does happen, but who who knows what what, what kind of direction this is going to go? We also see? do know that Jane, Jane is going to do some shit <laughs> to oh, protect yeah. her people.
0: <laughs> also, by the way, can we just see the fact that yet again Star Trek has a universe-ending enemy that we have?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's our kids.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dahl started the burn. <laughs> <laughs> also if you could make a virus that destroys the entire federation why wasn't the federation destroyed like i don't know 200 years ago or something uh it,
1: it needs a, a a future computer virus to do it
0: right it needs it needs some of those computers from that like star trek archive with all the evil computers you need to like break four or five of them out too you know the one we saw in lower yeah. decks with all the like <laughs> uh <laughs> okay so so Let's, let's just keep on our chronology and we'll talk about this the the weapon that the Diviner has in a minute but so we, we get through seeing Dreadnought are taken out Chairman Meow leads the workers in revolt um, and of course the one scene I did not understand was the one with Zero and Dal where Zero is, is like Dal is trying to do something with this communicator and then Dal like comes over and, and Dal uh, or Zero comes over and Dal is like don't, don't interrupt me or whatever I just didn't understand what was even happening there and now I get it. They were designing that that translator that all the workers get.
1: Yeah, but he I... was hooking it into their uh, their manacles or whatever to be able to communicate to everyone at once.
0: Okay, okay. So that was what was happening. Um, I I didn't get it, and and I had to like understand that later.
1: Yeah, it, it was kind of a. Um, it wasn't the most important part, but it. it I think I got the sense that they were realizing that it was taking way too long to sort of individually explain to every single prisoner, like, hey, you need to go here and you need to do this thing. And instead, mm-hmm. they could just alert all of them at once uh, if this sort of uh, hooking up to the communicator stuff worked. So tell me, what what happened to Zero's, like,
0: arm and legs, other arm and legs? Like, they were gone at one point. I can't remember now.
1: Uh, well, the, uh, Zero's legs are able to, like, appear and disappear uh, at any given moment. Okay. And uh, I'm trying to remember that uh, Zero's arm was chopped off I th- maybe by Dreadnought? I, okay. I, I, I'm, I I'm a little bit now. fuzzy on that, on that part.
0: Yeah, I forgot. I knew it was gone, but I was trying to remember like, where did this happen? And obviously, you know, extensive research on Memory Alpha uh, has not given me the answer. Someone hasn't gone there and updated it yet, so... Yeah, it,
1: it, <laughs> I think as of uh, recording this episode, Memory Alpha is like Act one and then there's nothing there.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. So uh clearly we're just making up the episode as we like as we go along. Has it even aired? We don't know. We're just taking really <laughs> good guesses to your listener. Really, really good guesses. Um okay, so so that's a, to me that that's a distinct like cut in the episode at one point when dreadnought even or I would say even like when the workers burst in to defeat dreadnought, that's for me like the episode is kind of chopped into over there. Yeah. And then the next place I feel like the episode becomes a very different thing is when the Diviner and Gwyn go into the holodeck. So, so, yeah. to, so, so to jump into the middle section of this episode, then, as I define it, um, we have basically the Rifthold getting fired up and chasing after the Diviner, and then you have um, the, the Gwyn outsmarting the Diviner, basically.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's interesting how much they're able to. Um, like i i i don't know i i wasn't expecting this to be such a uh, a flip of his uh being in control from this epi- from this episode from the previous episode to this current episode Because it seemed like we were, they were still in a position of pretty pretty uh uh intense power because like they yes they didn't have the protostar drive itself but presumably the protostar ship is much more powerful and uh should have had some sort of hold over the Rev Twelve, uh, but I guess they they really were just falling into the 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 plots of our kids. <laughs> I, yeah, the Divi-
0: you know, that classic children show things. The a, a group of eight year olds is more than a match for an extremely intelligent like forty fifty year old. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, Nancy Drew outsmarts the diviner, um, and it's 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 like you know. We also didn't get Darth Janeway for very long. It was like yeah, one scene. And, it, and it
1: was a ruse that there was even a, a Darth Janeway, Uh which right. I, I mean, uh, I mean, great, great amount of like foresight and and planning. It it, it does, I guess uh, they were all working together, but it's it's easy to attribute a lot of uh, the success of this plan to uh, Gwyn in particular because uh, it was Gwyn's like programming abilities that was able to sort of mask. Uh, uh, Janeway into Darth Janeway, um, but uh, what one one moment that I I just I felt was particularly all, brutal, uh, and we've seen lots of brutal fight scenes in this episode, especially as mm-hmm. imagined by you and I, is uh when Janeway uh uh breaks open uh whatever those like uh liquid tubules on um the, the diviner, diviner suit, uh, because Janeway might have. Uh, if if he didn't get some sort of help, she might have murdered him.
0: <laughs> right. I actually, the first time I watched this episode, I didn't even notice that they had fixed the uh, the tubules. It took me a little while to kind of understand that that had even happened.
1: I I I, get, I did I don't know in, that I noticed the, the, the fixing. Is it is it just like put it? They're back just to back it, to right? normal, which okay. which yeah. is
0: like very ineffective. Break. Like, why would you let him do that? I guess yeah. she she like Gwen becomes can she changes her mind about her father and it's like okay all right I'll let you show me but uh, so I guess I guess maybe she was like okay if he dies he can't show me whatever's in the holiday god tell me the secret
1: yeah 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 so so probably there was some sort of uh she plugged it back in or whatever.
0: See, but that's what you got to do if someone breaks in your house. I'm going to do that. Someone burgles me and I'm like, they come across and they're holding a gun or something. We're like, well, if you kill me, you're not going to hear the secret. <laughs> and then the guy's <laughs> like, what? No. You I foiled me. I Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're then, the key.
0: And then when the, when the burglar puts the gun down and like is like getting taken away to jail, I'll be like, the secret is positive thinking. Believe it. And it shall manifest itself. He's like, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, did you, Were you? Do you remember the secret? I, I, which Oprah was like pushing, like in like two thousand six. Do you, you getting this oh, reference? Oh wait,
1: wait, no, 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 no. I do there, not.
0: There's a book called The Secret, which like was the, all the rage for like a year, and it basically boils down to the fact that the author believes the humans have like a near supernatural ability to manifest things that they 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 like think about. So. Uh, if you if you, you so it's like just be positive like think on something and like really focus on it and like it'll happen
1: also known as like if you just work really hard on on things and uh and like plan ahead like it'll probably do well for you <laughs> right right i mean that's probably the the reason
0: why this guy was like wow every time i like conceive of something it happens it's like this is magic it's not the months of planning and like making my dreams into a reality It's it's magic man and bro was like, yep, that, right, that, that exactly. Yeah, uh,
1: the, the 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 uh the '90s or 2000s controversy that I remember uh, is the uh, with the book club was the um uh was it a million little pieces? There there was like a book that uh, everyone like got really into this like tragic story of, of this guy and he just made the whole thing up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a um, uh, a million little pieces which i mean kudos to her for like confronting the guy on on the air and like actually yeah. being like oh yeah you were full of shit dude kind of wish that happened more with folks like uh, who spread misinformation of other
1: stars but anyway it doesn't really work that's that's not something that, that really happens in society anymore thankfully there's no, I, no I, I don't, not. i'm not aware of any misinformation kind of stuff that's no, a, no, no, a big no, no, problem no,
0: no. not at all all right on that cheery note let's take a break we shall return with more star trek projects. I'm detecting a protowarp signature again that makes three times now admiral two times is a coincidence three is a pattern finally it's back on the grid it's time we rescue our missing ship and get some answers take us to the last protostar signature maximum warp i'm coming chakotay welcome back to strange new takes where we were talking about making sure that you're listening to your fellow podcast hosts and, and understanding what they're trying to reference and what you do when you don't understand what's being referenced and you just have to sit there being like,
1: uh-huh, uh-huh,
0: yeah, of course. That the, was the answer fun. Is just
1: talk in a gigantic circle and then hope it works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it
0: does work out actually. Can confirm, can confirm. Well, getting back to a moral star part two, we were just talking about how Jane Janeway gets reprogrammed uh, or de-reprogrammed really uh, yeah. speaking back to her normal self, and we figure out pretty quickly the answer to a question that we've asked a few times on this podcast and had what we thought was a good answer, but now we have it confirmed She can't interact with physical objects.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, I, I think it really is that uh, she's just disgusted by Rock and refuses to touch her. That's why she can't hug <laughs> her. So a, a confirmation uh, in, in this episode. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a little bit sad, but I mean... You have to have standards. You
0: know, if someone hasn't listened to our episode about two episodes ago in Prodigy, they're going to just think you're a horrible person who just hates <laughs> rock talk. Um, it's like, wow, I just, this is my first episode of Strange New Takes. That Adam guy's a dick. <laughs> 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 well, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Jane Ray is just a horrible human being. And we... But yeah, she she like physically pushes the diviner and like breaks off a little tubule. Yeah. So like fighting with a hologram would kind of suck if they don't have like safety protocols or whatever, you know?
1: Oh yeah, I mean that's I guess that's the basis of of every uh, episode where the the holodeck malfunctions. Uh, like yeah, they can just super kill you and are uh way more dangerous. I mean I I guess it's it's almost like uh, it's worse because if the hologram actually has sort of full control of their faculties and their ability to manifest, like, that's way worse than just, like, this, uh, uh, this, like, Sherlock Holmes, uh, thing is, like, it, the guns are real. Um.
0: But, but ask yourself this question, though. Because of, why would you ever have physical security on a, on a starship anymore? Just have holograms. They, like, defeat the aliens 100% of the time.
1: Oh, yeah, it, it's, I... Yeah, the holograms do seem extremely <laughs> overpowered in Star Trek, which is I it? I guess we I don't know that we've had that many ships that really can have holograms manifest kind of anywhere on the ship, right? Because uh, it's it it seems like maybe pro, the Protostar is one of the first, uh, because we like vo- originally the Doctor wasn't able to go outside of sickbay or the holodecks uh and got the mobile emitter and whatnot i think in in discovery it does seem like there are holograms that could have kind of free reign within a ship uh but yeah this is this is some new tech that we're that we're getting
0: for sure for sure um Yeah, and, like, Janeway, it's kind of brutal. Like, she didn't even, like, defeat the Definer fully. She's just like, ah, one of these tubes, clink, oops, you're dead now, bro. Let me just collapse
1: your jugular, and then we'll uh, see how that goes for you. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's the equivalent of just giving him a
0: karate chop on the windpipe, and he's just like, ah,
1: no! I'm yes. done for windpipe. That is the that is the human. All right, that is the uh, anatomy that I was trying to reference, and I said jugular instead. That would have uh, but the jugular been... would also work, just a little. Yeah, slower. but it, it would probably be a lot more immediate. <laughs> it just man, it's Emily
0: isn't here. Rudy isn't here, and we're talking about murder like multiple times in this podcast. <laughs> what has happened? <laughs> Please come back, fellow co-hosts. Save us from ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, well, uh, but but again good catch by the diviner be like how do i get myself out of this jam oh yeah reference the secret that you haven't told your daughter this whole time and then we go into the holodeck and finally find out what this has all been about since the beginning
1: yeah and it's uh i i, I mean i know that we've kind of been teasing it a really long time but that, like even just revealing and fully stating what's going on like, in this episode, it, it felt like a, a huge payoff and felt very quick for us to just, like, learn, like, oh, I'm from the future. Uh, I was part of a civilization uh, that was destroyed. It is uh, directly because of the Federation that it that it was destroyed, and I've come back mm-hmm. in time to, like, destroy the Federation because of that. And it seems like he... I, I don't know. We We have lots of villains that have kind of these tangential, like, well... Like because the Romulan sun ex- exploded, and uh, the Federation didn't do things. That's why I have to kill Kirk, and then also Vulcan and and Earth and stuff like that. It, like it's, I uh, I I don't know. I I, I think it, it's it's really interesting to go at a first contact. Uh, like not not necessarily even that the Federation. Maybe they didn't do anything sort of wrong from their perspective, but the it's it sort of highlights why the prime directive is so important because first contact apparently destroyed an entire civilization by destabilizing. Uh, sort of, I don't know if it was their belief system that caused a civil war or whatnot. But
0: I mean, yeah. this is this is the sad parallel we can draw. as to the situation in the Ukraine right now, where the Ukraine is split between groups who, I mean. Well, the people of Ukraine have mostly aligned with joining the West and joining NATO, but we mm-hmm. have an ele- an outside party that thinks that that is, and some internal elements that think that that, that is wrong. So they're going to fight a war about what to do, and so we we see you know if you're if you're thinking like ah the species destroying itself because of an outside influence and a political problem, it's going to happen, and yeah. um. I like that they said that it was civil war and that it wasn't like the evil Federation bombarded us and destroyed us. It oh, yeah. Because you can see how it doesn't it doesn't totally redeem the Diviner. The Diviner is still a bad guy. Like It's kind of irrational to be like, oh, it was the Federation who destroyed us when it's his own people who've done it, you know?
1: Yeah, but it, I, I guess it's... Th- there's at least that like causal link that I, I feel like is a lot stronger than most Star Trek villains or that where the reason they blame the Federation is like, uh, like peace doesn't make sense or like oh, right, right, right. freedom's yeah, yeah. like a bad thing. It, it, it Like this is like, it does seem like it could be true that if the Federation had never contacted his people that they wouldn't or that they would still exist now or it, whatever decade this he's from. And it's um I don't know, it's just, it, it, it's it's a very, I, I I appreciate a villain that I can actually sort of like draw the line and like figure out what, like why they're doing this. And it's mm-hmm. not just a like, I don't know, the writer said that I needed to be angry at Picard.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. There is like a good reason. I mean, this guy's entire planet got destroyed. Like,
1: yeah, you, I, you can, you it, can if, see. Yeah, it, I don't know if there are many more good of reasons.
0: <laughs> right, 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 right. So okay, um, we we get that we get the holodeck, we get the like dramatic picture of the the flower turning to dust. I mean, what a great visual metaphor yeah. for <laughs> an entire planet being wiped out. And then we, at at the same time, we have the Rev Twelve where we get a classic, well, let's target the shield emitters and, like, we'll beam over one by one. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, orbital bombardment and so many other Starfleet, Star Trek, you know, plot elements. We get a classic one. We can only go, we can only go over there one at a time.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was maybe one of the weakest parts of the episode. So, I'm like, your ship is enormous. I don't understand why you can't just, like, overload the shields and then board them. Like, what what does it mean to, like... That the shields are, like, so powerful on the on the Protostar that, like, for some reason you can weaken them, but they regenerate. Really, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it has those fancy red shields. Maybe they're super good.
0: You just eat the... The Raptor just eats the Protostar, like Murph eats the actual Protostar.
1: I, I kind of was expecting them to just, like, tractor beam and then put them inside. But, uh, also, we did, no. by the
0: way, side note, we did find out that the Protostar can be transported out of Murph by the transporters oh yeah earlier in the episode where murph's mm-hmm. like uh, i lost the star you guys i'm really sad now
1: and yeah I, I i was i kind of didn't understand what had happened to to murph immediately because it i'm like Murph's really flat. like did murph digest the protostar and is now dying or <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like what like but but i guess it was like he was extremely flat sort of suggesting that the thing that was blowing him up uh that it's no longer inside of him but um yeah that was i i mean i i i suppose like physics wise transporters don't make any sense philosophy wise uh, i would never step on uh on one of those transporter pads uh Mm -hmm. ever uh (laughs) but i so i i guess i it maybe it's not that surprising that they can just transport a whole damn star and put it somewhere else
0: matter to matter uh yeah. ashes to ashes dust to dust okay um uh we we do get so all right we we get doll getting like i will save you and then immediately be like oh no i won't damn it <laughs> which uh yeah i mean guy shows up fi- like double handing like two phasers like you know <laughs> yeah I'm surprised they weren't like turned to the side like you know like the Antonio Bandaras' character in that one like movie. <laughs> uh and it's it's kinda like I, I did appreciate that it wasn't solved by like Phasers though. Yeah it,
1: yeah it, and it's um I don't know I yeah I it... <laughs> I I almost felt like he was going to like ha- it it made me think of like when Jenkum had them held on backwards or whatever uh, but so it it wasn't through sheer stupidity that uh the the plan failed but um I don't know I I guess that that sort of re- reminds me I thought that that was a good twist on uh Gwyn's usage of that uh whatever that sword thing that she has is I, I don't know that we have like an exact the name heirloom. For it the heirloom. We did uh, got
0: we got the name for it in this episode or the maybe the previous one where she holds it to the diviner's neck or whatever and yeah. he's like did you who who do you think gave you the heirloom?
1: Yeah. And so it's it's a um I thought it was an, a really good twist to have him him sort of manifesting those powers and using that against everybody else. Uh and yeah, it 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 set us up for what I felt like is a was a very satisfying uh way of taking the diviner out. Uh, because we, we we get a chance for the, one of the characters who's been the most wronged by the Diviner, which is Zero, uh, to sort of enter the scene here. It was... Maybe that's the break in the
0: episode, not even just the holodeck part, but the part where Zero comes in, because the vibe suddenly goes from, like, kind of... it's a, It's an action show to mm-hmm. being more of, like, a very serious... Yeah. show at that moment and never switches back uh through the end of the episode
1: yeah the, the tone the tone sort of goes into that um i mean th- there's maybe that moment of triumph that, that we have when when uh zero finally gets to uh sort of enact their revenge on the diviner but it it, it does kind of go straight into just tragedy because we, we we know sort of the the gravity of the situation that's happening and and it's also like it's kind of horrifying what the diviner is going through at at that point. Like I yeah. I I kind of, I feel bad about this sort of resolution to the diviner's storyline because he's just insane now. Like that well, that's uh that's it, it seems like a very grim uh resolution to this.
0: So let's let's dial the 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 step back one second which is that mm. the diviner reveals to Gwyn earlier that They can't ever go back to Starfleet because of the weapon we said it'll infect Starfleet systems and Starfleet will fight themselves to death, Mm -hmm. much like his people were. So this is my thing. The reason the Diviner is still alive at the end of this episode and insane rather than dead is so that they can get some sort of information about that system from him. They can, like, fix him, or, like, you know, one of those classic TV tropes where the, like, person who can't string together sentences, like, gives little clues that they're, like, okay, let's put these together, and then now we know what to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a possibility, because there's a, um... I, I, I guess that the only reason that I sort of, like, had that, had set that aside and assumed that it wasn't going to be present was just, since it was just, like, oh, and we imprisoned him on Tars Lamora and that's and that's like kind of it um but yeah it it, i don't know it i mean i suppose that this is not a uh maybe it's not a starfleet crew so they wouldn't have thought through like you know what maybe like making someone permanently insane is like an extremely harsh punishment maybe they should get medical care uh to try to rehabilitate uh something out, out of this um i I guess the the question
0: is was was it when that scene of the diviner came in at the end was he on board the um was he on board the the draft 12 or like where where i think he he was
1: in he's he's imprisoned in the tars lamora station without a ship and it it, it says something about like putting him in the prison that he held other people in or something like that I see and but he's
0: also like without his tubules and stuff which is kind of weird like wasn't he supposed to die if he was outside that thing and now he suddenly has like the ability to survive it's kind of interesting and weird Yeah
1: maybe that maybe it's it like yeah there's something about it it's because of the chimerium that it it has life sustaining properties <laughs> It's like our <a> Star <laughs> Trek RPG
0: this planet has a aura that prevents all communicators don't ask questions <laughs> it just happened <laughs> you, you have to now deal with it yes uh, yeah so okay 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 Um, let's take a, another quick step back I wanted to talk about this whole diviner is a live situation but the other thing I want to talk about is Zero telling the diviner I mean the the hey, rage in Zero's voice is pretty strong like Zero is like yeah. ruthless in that moment and is like you said something like you took advantage of us or whatever I can't remember exactly but it was, it was very harsh language um, yeah
1: which i mean on on one hand i i kind of get it because uh zero was used as a weapon uh to kind of enslave other people uh, uh and was used by the diviner sort of like to to enact this really harsh punishment on people what so was, is that established yes uh that that it uh because what we we know that that Medusans have this power from the uh is is there in truth no beauty uh yes I, the, the, I is there i, I almost that, said, that's it the wrong, I said it the right. TOS episode right yeah the the original series episode it's in the third season uh it, basically the the uh the gist of it is that there is a uh an ambassador who is horrifically ugly so ugly that uh humans go insane if they see them but uh is being uh tra- is being uh is aboard the enterprise uh with a couple of companions to uh sort of like take them from one destination to the other uh but yeah in in that episode uh we had the Medusin uh was shown to another was shown to a human and drove them insane the enterprise goes out of the galactic barrier uh all sorts of uh uh tos type stuff happens uh but uh we we do get a it so there is another connection to this episode because uh, spock actually sees the uh Medusin Without having a special visor that was supposed to protect him. And we know Spock recovers from this. So we, we at least have a sense of, like, okay, well, it's possible to recover. I have high confidence that Gwyn is going to be fine at some point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not entirely sure about the diviner, but yeah, it, it is possible that he could recover at some point, uh, especially because it, in the original series, this, this was um, Medusans were much more a uh focus on like hu- humans specifically were disgusted mm-hmm. by them uh i think that's also kind of the human centrism of the original series but well
0: um, i i still haven't heard confirmation of how we know that zero was enacting punishments on the slaves uh,
1: it, it, it was in one of the first two episodes i think okay. uh, that zero zero mentions that they were there. there's a few scenes where zero is in a box that the diviner or dreadnought is opening and showing to other prisoners um, because this threat was used against Dal, I think okay. uh, at some point. But we see—I uh, know it happens to a um, a Lurian—and uh, we see their like eyes with this sort of like flaming white look to them that the Diviner ends up getting.
0: Jeez, I, I guess I've just completely spaced on this from last fall. <laughs>
1: it's like, how did I, I mean, forget? That's what happens when they chop the season in half and like <laughs> have them super far apart.
0: Maybe, maybe I was just like, this is a kid's show. This cannot be happening, and I blocked
1: it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it it, it it at least it makes sense why they went to this extreme, but it, it doesn't make it not uh, really intense for the rest of the tone of the show. Okay, I'm actually looking at screen caps now from
0: the first episode, and yep, it's there. And uh, I think it's actually Zero talking to Dahl and Rock Doc and telling them that they, uh, uh, yeah. that's how it worked. Interesting, interesting. I, I had not watched the TOS episode before because I had not extensively read about Medusin, so I didn't. It was a complete surprise to me. But when I saw it happening, I was like, this is obviously a reference to some species power that they've established in Star Trek oh, before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting piece about the whole reflection in the combat situation that was uh that was uh, yeah. that was kind of a little plot point and so now we're left with Gwyn knowing that there's some reason not to go back but not being able to completely properly elaborate and so I, I guess in the second half this season now we're going to have to, one of the first things that's going to have to happen is Gwyn is going to have to figure out why and i bet it's going to happen tantalizingly at the moment when Jane Way first is about to make contact that they figure it out at the last possible minute and you know
1: yeah which which i guess could set us up for that being a um like you said the that the fugitive the fugitive setup for uh, the season where we're we're rooting a, we're uh rooting for the kids and and actually don't want uh Admiral Janeway to succeed. And it's um uh yeah, I, I I think I can i can see that, yeah, if we don't actually make contact with the Federation and we discover it right beforehand, that sort of chase mindset does make a, a bit more sense uh than like they warp straight to Earth cause a gigantic civil war with the Federation and then uh Janeway wants to like punish the children or something. <laughs> that
0: happens in <at> Discovery. Yeah. <laughs> or or in USS the lost Voyager J. Right. Lost season eight of Voyager where Jane Way is becomes the like murderous person that the internet seems to think she is, uh for some weird reason. <laughs> um the so yeah, so I, I, I hope though that this isn't going to be a series-long thing where the children can cannot go back to the Federation, that, you know, the whole series is about yeah. them trying to fix it. I really hope that, again, how Prodigy is, like, quickly resolving issues, that that happens in this case as well, that they're just able to be like, okay, we fixed it, cheers. Yeah,
1: because I, 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 I think it's a... Um, starting out away from the Federation made sense as sort of a... We're introducing you to Star Trek because you're a kid and you've never seen any Star Trek before... Uh, Or you're just, uh, I I think this show is like fabulous for kind of anybody uh, who's Mm -hmm. vaguely interested in like sci-fi and whatnot. Um, But yeah, I I think to to really bring it all the way home, we do need to have like the Federation become part of this show. Uh, So I I, I do think that that has to be part of season two is just like we are now part of the Federation and now we're going to learn about like the Romulans or something.
0: The the all of season two is Jane. We're basically telling the kids to study.
1: <laughs> so it, it, this is that Starfleet Academy show. Uh, we there we, we, thought, you we go. thought Mary Wiseman was gonna uh, go teach people in the thirty second century. It's she's gonna be sent back in time to teach our kids about uh, Star Trek.
0: Remember, kids, stay in school. It's cool. <laughs> um. All right, so now we got to get to the final scene. I really thought the episode was just over after we see the like happy reunion of the bridge and everybody. Which, uh, by the way, Dal and Gwyn, uh, Dahl has plucked up the courage to go and give Gwyn a little hug. So their yeah. awkward relationship continues. Apparently, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I I don't know. I would really hope they don't. I mean, they're going to going to, but I really ho- I, I I wish we could do a show without a relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like I just don't need that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll pull a Voyager, and like, uh, Gwen will will get together with Zero at the very end.
0: (laughs) Oh, oh, Chakotay, oh, Chakotay, and seven of nine. Oh, 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 interesting stuff. Anyway, um, yeah. So, so, but after that that scene where we think, okay, it's all over. Suddenly we have we have we have the Marvel post-credits scene basically, but before the credits, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, because we we get we get on board. Uh, I, I think we, we we start out with a a Trill officer that has detect detected something, and uh, yeah, it seems like our the. The protostar has been detected by the Federation, which we now know is a terrifying thing and not a thing that we should be really excited about. And we we pan back and we see that we're on board uh uh Janeway's Admiral Janeway's ship. And uh as we as we pull out, uh there was I I, I caught something with sort of the the visual look of the of the ship, and then I, I looked it up and realized that it was actually uh, really it so it, it looks kind of like this quantum slipstream drive ship that we see in uh
0: so it's the I've... voyager episode hope and fear yes and uh that episode is the 26th episode of the fourth season of voyager i just knew that off the top of my head yeah and uh what you want to what you what you need to know about it is that an alien whose species have been assimilated by the borg creates a fake starfleet vessel with a slipstream drive to capture the Voyager crew and take them to his home planet to be assimilated because he blames Voyager for the assimilation of his planet. His name is Arturus, mm. this alien, and the ship, the fake ship he created was the USS Dauntless. And like you're saying, Adam, it looks exactly like the Dauntless in this ship. the Dan Hageman has confirmed that this is actually a Starfleet Dauntless. So, like, Janeway is kind of ruthless. She's like, she kills this dude our uh, tourists like he's he he his the navigation console on the original dauntless is broken at the end of the episode so he's zooming back to his home world to get assimilated himself and then she takes the plans of that ship and goes to starfleet and is like make me this
1: yeah because and, and as we and not just make me this like she has literally named the dang thing dauntless uh this is the the uss dauntless uh eight zero eight one six um,
0: which by the way also remember how like Kirk and Picard are like no I don't want to be an admiral I can't leave my ship I don't want to sit behind a desk Janeway's like I'll have both of those things together uh, yeah hell yeah I'm gonna be an admiral and I'm gonna be in charge of a ship take that Starfleet what you gonna do
1: the, the, the only thing the only big failure is that uh, Janeway's Dauntless is ugly as hell <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I, I looked back. I was like, okay, well, maybe the original Dauntless was was also uh, was also ugly, and I, it is just like my like uh, elementary school mind was like so wowed by like a slightly different looking Federation ship that I was like, yeah, wow, so cool. No, that ship looks amazing. This one looks very weird and like not be in the back i don't know <laughs> it's you, not for you, me.
0: you 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 uh, a great descriptor by the way you know how um have you have you seen that thing online where people like re- make like bad recorder versions of songs like you know they 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 have like one famous one of where my heart will uh, not where my heart will take me. Um, my heart or will my go heart, on. My, from, yeah, my heart will go on. But from Titanic. And people, like, they take something beautiful and then the video changes to something stupid and the song changes from, like, this orchestral to the recorder. So it's <laughs> it's like, you know how they have the scene in the motion picture where, like, Kirk and his crew are, like, looking at the Enterprise A and, like, there's all this orchestral music and everyone's like,
1: whoa!
0: And there's lens flare. They have the version with the Dauntless, same music, in the recorder. <laughs> that that's 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 what we're going to get uh, i agree looks pretty ugly pretty ugly but let's blame the guy who designed the original one in voyager um
1: <laughs> yeah like it, to me it has that the look of that uh uh is it the olympic class the the there's a there's a federation ship i think it was one of the early uh, at least per my like ship of the line calendar or something that I had one time. Uh, It's, it's one of the early designs of of Federation ships that has like a sphere instead of a saucer section. And it is, it uh, is
0: very bionic. It kind of looks like it's like, you know, like I feel like 15 years ago when people were like drawing the future, they were like,
1: everything's going to be a blob. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which I guess that's what ran uh, Voyager with those bioneural gel uh, packs. It's it was a blob. Voyager was a big
0: blob. Yeah, you're right. Um uh, so okay, so also Captain Admiral Janeway has stolen Voyager's coffee mugs. Clearly, she has the same one from back on the ship. She's like, "Oh, you're going to put this ship in the the museum? Well, I'm going to keep my coffee mug with me."
1: <laughs>
0: um and yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it took me a second to adjust to what I was seeing on the screen. Like, I saw the trill, and my, I was like, "That's, that's weird. Why is that here? Like, that we there shouldn't be a trill on this show." Oh, it's Starfleet Admiral. What? Then the mug came into the frame, and I was like, "What? What? What?" <laughs> we're getting Janeway. Holy crap! I was watching this really late at night, by the way. So I genuinely thought I was dreaming for a minute, like I'd fallen asleep because yeah. I thought the episode was over, and and. Well, it, it,
1: I, I I guess something that just occurred to me is, it, I guess this confirms that, so we know that the Protostar has traveled in time. It went to at least 17 years ago, but it mm-hmm. must have come from the current time, from 2383 or 2384-ish, uh, because yeah. Janeway is aware that Chakotay is missing. Uh, so these ships are contemporaries of, e- of each other, presumably.
0: Right, so so I read a timeline, and I, unfortunately I've lost where I read this now, so I can't refer to it, but basically what the author said is that the diviner captured the vessel in 2383, went back 17 years, or how many ever years, and has been in hiding all this time, like either he lost the ship or something, something happened, Maybe he was designing the weapon or whatever. And so he took the time to design it. And now the ship is basically back in its contemporary, back in the time when it came from, before mm-hmm. travel. So it's it's kind of like, it's a little circle if you see, you know. So like, say, let's just say like, if the Protostar came back 10 years, it's been 10 mm-hmm. years since that jump. Yes. So so it's back in the time that it should have been in, quote unquote.
1: Oh, Interesting.
0: But we don't, I mean, that's just, I I, I don't have any sources on that, so take that for what you will. It's just a little bit of speculation (laughs) at this point. Um, But yeah, we've still got that major mystery to resolve. Uh, Any any other final thoughts, Adam, before we jump into ratings here?
1: No, I think we've pretty thoroughly covered everything.
0: Yeah, um, definitely sad to be switching back to Discovery, and that's... uh, (laughs) for once it's less to yeah. be said it's less about just discovery and more about this episode that i i kind of wish we had more Prodigy i'm really enjoying it so
1: <laughs> oh yeah and, and 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 i guess it seems like since they had to break the season into uh like first the, just the first five and then the second five episodes like probably those final 10 are just nowhere near ready so like i guess we have to have something here so we might might as well be discovery but yeah i'm i'm so hooked like that there's i've never been more excited to see the next episode of a star trek i don't think like except for maybe yeah. like uh like some of the classics from like the 90s or whatever but like as far as like in in recent memory that i this is I'm, i've am i never been more hyped <laughs>
0: It is it is definitely one of those things where I'm hoping the other shows see what they've got in Prodigy and understand the challenge that has been dropped onto the table in terms of the the, the standard that has been set.
1: Yes. For the yeah, future. you you do not have to have filler episodes at all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um you and and even if you do, they can be good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's, that's the key there
0: all right uh strange new rating uh adam you're gonna stick your neck out and give the show a rating or should i do it uh
1: i i think i can go out uh i i mean i i've been rating things pretty highly but like the, this one is like feels like the culmination of like so much stuff in, in this uh th- this like series so far and i'm just like because i'm so excited about the next episode. I. I, I, I'm going to go into a ridiculous territory rating it. Like this one gets an 11 for me. Like it, it's okay. just like <laughs> I, it, you, you got an 11 and then uh, so I, I can have an 11 too. Like th- this one is just, it's wow. I, I like it yeah. d- just, I, I, we have gotten, I mean, this could have been the season finale and I would have been fine with it being like calling this season one. Like this is a, a perfect streak for a, a 10 episode run where I'm just, I'm I'm immensely satisfied with this show and so impressed with everything they've done.
0: I will I will give you an 11 because at least you're not splitting your rating into two like we did like 80 <laughs> episodes ago or whatever it was. Um, yeah, you know, I'm going to give this one an 8. I liked it. I enjoyed it. It's a strong season closer. I, But if I'm honest with myself, I like Discovery when it's at its slower, less action-y self, which makes me one of those uh, people who... uh Yeah, so what did I say? discovery keep doing that
1: yeah. yeah i don't know why uh yeah i don't
0: know why either i guess i'm becoming one of those people who's like oh what we need is another tng with picard standing by the window wondering about his morals and philosophies uh, so but i i think that's where disco uh Pro- did it again prodigy does its best work is when it is being a little slower when we're having mm-hmm. some moments to to process what we're saying. that being said if i'm gonna get action it should be like this so uh very very good so th- it's not a knock it's it's simply criticism because this disco- uh cut. <laughs> it's simply because prodigy has set the bar so high for itself uh yeah i've also seen multiple people online acknowledge that this is the best star trek on tv now and it uh, makes me really happy uh it also makes me really happy that boba fett is not that great because now, you know, people can be like, okay, everything in Star Wars is great and everything in Star Trek sucks. No, you're wrong because nothing in Star Trek sucks. But even then, Star Wars can make some stuff that isn't very good. Dig that. Uh, so, so with that, it's time for us to say goodbye. Thanks, Adam, for, for turning up. If, if, it, if you hadn't been here, it would be 45 minutes of me just talking to myself about Star Trek, <laughs> which, by the way, I get fully capable of doing.
1: Yeah, I, I thank you, Notch. I, I someday maybe we'll we'll have that because maybe it would even just be fun to see what happens.
0: Right, we would we'll split it up. Thirty minutes, you go by yourself. Thirty minutes, I go by myself, and then there we, we just go. yeah. At the end, we come together <laughs> and discuss. Uh, thank you, Emily, Rudy, Bill, Dinah, Max, uh, for everything that y'all do, and uh, we're looking forward to having you back on the show someday uh, soon, hopefully. And thank you, dear listener, for turning up and listening to our. Um, to our rantings and ravings about Star Trek we, we are we we appreciate the ability to to talk about Star Trek with you each week uh thank you just Guha for our for recording our theme music we always appreciate hearing you strum away at the guitar and um you know finally I, I I when it comes to special thanks this week I think I have to stick with what I said earlier and and special thanks to John Favreau, who created the book of Boba Fett and reminded us that Star Wars, not everything in Star Wars is fantastic. Other series also have shows that we don't like as much. And so helping us appreciate the entirety of the Star Trek universe, and any franchise really for that matter, a little bit more. So, so thank you, John Favreau. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week. Goodbye.
1: Bye.